Congratulate you, Sebastian. An opera of machinery, a new city. Oh, who was the pygmy man riding the summit of automation? He was no pygmy. He is the giant. Ah, man is a giant, I see. And perhaps we are all his bread, huh? In other words, a genius. He eats us all, Carl. Genius? What is that? A man who stands alone with no past, existing only in the future. Well, that's Boris Good. And so what is the most successful entrepreneur in London, Sebastian Levine, doing producing for us a revolutionary work of genius? I always thought you were more interested in money than ours. I have to say, Carl, that I owe a great deal of gratitude to your reviews. You are not answering my question. The composer was a childhood friend of mine. <laughs> he was a Russian. Oh, come on, Sebastian, I don't believe you. There's something Anglo-Saxon about this. I think it was written by an Englishman. Yes, I can see by your face. I want the story, Sebastian. I will talk to my editor. I will give you a full profile. All right, all right. Come to my club tomorrow. Agatha Christie's Giant's Bread, adapted for radio by Malcolm Mackay. Mmm, mmm. Excellent lunch. <laughs> Thank you, Sebastian. So, Mr. Boris Grohn. It's a long story. I'm all ears. I'll begin with Abbot's Puissant. That's the name of both the village and Vernon's house. Vernon? Vernon Dare, my best friend. There were four of us. Him, me, the boy next door, and then there was his cousin, Josephine. And the so-called Russian is the fourth. Wait, Carl, wait. This is the story of the giant, his appetites, and, I'm sorry to say, the destruction of love. It upsets you, huh? You, you are involved? Why not be honest? I've been in love with Josephine since the age of ten. Anyway, the three of us enjoyed an idyllic childhood being looked after by Vernon's mother. He and I went to Eton and then on to Cambridge. Josephine remained at home. While we were still at university, the three of us met at my mother's house in London. Josephine, by this time, was an angry, rebellious suffragette. Close the window! I hate music, Joe. You know I always have. Oh, don't tell me. The beast. The what? Oh, God, she's so boring with her deeply psychological theories. When I was about minus one, before we met you, I was frightened of the grand piano in the living room at Abbott's and thought it was some kind of monster. And you screamed every time you went near it. Well, you gave up the violin. I prefer ideas. Oh, God! Women, Vernon, down there, have you heard of them? They deserve the right to vote, don't they? All right, all right. And what do you want? To marry a nice girl, inherit Abbott's, and go and live there in sunlit mediocrity, playing with Rabbit and Squirrel and Mr Green in the woods? I remember Mr Green. Wasn't he some kind of kid's fantasy who lived in a tree? What ambition. Anyway, I might have to sell Abbott's. No, you won't. You'll never sell that house. Mother wants me to go and live with her in Birmingham. With Uncle Sidney? He's offered me a job. Doesn't he make Baker light or something? And what's so enlightening about your prospects, Joe? I'm going to be a sculptor, dear. Oh, yes, I've seen your maquettes. You talk to me about childish fantasies. I'm taking lessons from Paul Lamar. Well, watch out. As a matter of fact, I'm going down to see him in Brighton this weekend. You're not. Why not? Joe, you know what kind of reputation he has. What do I care? No, Joe, please. Let her go and find out for herself. 
Actually, Vernon, you could do me a huge favour. I was given a ticket for the new ballet by Stravinsky this weekend by a close friend who would be very upset if I don't go. Would you see it for me and tell me all? Then when I see her, I can pretend... You were there. For God's sake. Please, my darling, Vernon, my soulmate and almost brother, will you? You will. And now I'm going down on the street to join the fight for justice. Votes for women! Talk to him, Sebastian. Paul Lamar? Stravinsky? I was devastated. You were still very much in love with Josephine? Of course. But strangely enough, the biggest effect of that conversation was on Vernon. She did indeed go to the ballet. And a few days later, I saw him again. We were walking in Hyde Park. Stravinsky. Stravinsky! I, I can't get his music out of my mind. It, it was as if all the terrors of the beast became... Oh, I don't really know what I'm talking about, Sebastian. But it was as if I could see them and hear them and I thought I could somehow use them. Use the terrors? What are you talking about? You mean you're thinking of becoming a composer? Yes. Is that very stupid? It's not at all. Why not? You could change your degree, study music. Do you think so? And that's exactly what he did. So, the genius begins with unexplained feelings which grow until they devour everything. <laughs> this is the beast, is it not? My money is on Vernon. You'll have to wait and see. I finished university before he did and hardly saw him for two years. He inherited the house at Abbot's Puissant and had too much emotional attachment to put it up for sale. He let it out, but then faced enormous repair bills. In other words, he was broke. He decided to live with his mother in Birmingham and take up his uncle's offer to work in his factory. I hate every minute of it, Sebastian. The sheer dreariness of it all. And living with mother. Joe, she's driving me absolutely mad. I'm not surprised. Have you forgotten your music? How can I forget it? It's in my mind every minute of the day. I, I can hear it in everything I see, but it's strange. It's not like any music I've ever heard or played by any instruments that I know. Oh, God, what shall I do, Sebastian? It's obvious. Give up Birmingham, come down to London and be a composer. How can I? I have no money. It's all right for you. Paul Lamar pays for everything. Are you saying I'm a kept woman? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. And nor do I. And that seemed to be that. I'd lost Joe, and Vernon was stuck fast in a job and life he hated. But then the fourth member of our childhood quartet returned to our lives. Ah, this is Boris Grom. Her name was Nell. Oh. Nell Verica, the pretty little girl from down the lane. Vernon couldn't stand her. And so now we go back in time? Oh, no. Nell reappeared with no warning. Twenty years later, Vernon wrote to me. Sebastian, you're not going to believe this. Do you remember that awful little girl, Nell Verica? Well, her mother has kept in touch with mine over the years and out of the blue invited me to a dinner party in some country place near Ranelagh. 
And there she was, sitting opposite me across the dinner table. She was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, Sebastian. Mrs. Verica was obviously trying to shack her up with this old, fat American who was the guest of honor. Oh, hello, young man. Chetwin, George Chetwin. Vernon Dare. You must be a friend of Nell. And I realized, the heavenly woman was her. Do you remember? Talk about the ugly duckling. She, of course, had known from the beginning who I was. She smiled at me across the table, and from that moment I couldn't take my eyes off her. At the end of the dinner, as her mother fawned over the American, who, as I'm sure you've guessed, was as rich as Croesus, I managed to contrive a walk with Nell in the garden. What a beautiful night. Look at the stars. It's so wonderful to see you again, Nell. And you, Vernon. Although I seem to remember you used to hate me. Oh, no. I was so frightened of you. And Sebastian and Josephine. How is Joe, by the way? Oh, she's some kind of suffragette or something. Oh, I could never do that. I don't seem to have those kind of opinions. Nell! Come in, darling. Where are you? Come and talk to Mr. Chetwin. I'd better go back in. Look, please, can I write to you? I mean, to renew old acquaintances and all that. And perhaps I could see you again. You dance beautifully. Oh, I love it. I would dance every night if I could. And what else do you like? Clothes. I'm mad about fashion. I want to wear the most beautiful dresses, but... What's wrong? Oh, Vernon, it's so dull being poor. My poor mother, she scrimps and saves, but there is never enough. Is that why she wants you to get to know that American? She wants me to marry him. But he's so old. He must be at least 40. You could marry anyone, Nell. It's all right for you. You have that beautiful house at Abbott's Puissant. I can't afford to live in it. You could sell it. No, never. I will never sell Abbott's. It's, it's too much a part of me. But I have a job, Nell, with my Uncle Sidney. And you must earn a great deal? Not so much now, but... Oh, I do love you, Nell. I, I do. I'm sorry. That's the truth of it. And I love you too. Do you? But I would hate to live in poverty, Vernon. Wouldn't you? Yes, yes, this is all very well, the affairs of the heart. But when are we getting to the genius? Well, every giant at some stage in his life needs a direction, and... And unwittingly, I provided it. I had moved into a new apartment and decided to hold a party. I invited all my friends from the world of the theatre and music. One of them was Jane Harding. Jane Harding oh, was such a powerful singer. What happened to her? Oh, my God. 
you, darling. That was beautiful. Uh, can I introduce you to my oldest friend, Vernon Dare, Jane Harding? Hello, Vernon. Vernon's going to be a composer. Really? No, no, I'm not. I hear you sing, Miss Harding, and I know I could never be good enough. That's because you don't want to compose that kind of music. Mark my words, Jane, this man has a talent he has hardly begun to understand. How fascinating. No, Sebastian, I really don't know why he has such faith in me, Miss Harding. It's my job, isn't it? To see what other men and women can do and put it on stage. I'm the great facilitator. And you are, Sebastian, you are. They sat on a pair of cushions under the window and talked all night. He told Jane everything. And so let me get this straight. You have a wonderful house that you can't afford to live in, a beautiful woman you want to marry, and you're going to be the world's greatest composer? Yes. I'm pretty stupid, aren't I? <laughs> Confused, I'd say. You'll be lucky if you get one of them. It's the instruments, Jane. I don't think we've come close to their full potential. And other things that aren't instruments. All the sounds of life. I want... Uh, I don't know. I want... Oh, my head is full of it. Maybe you should come and see me. And maybe, just maybe, I can help. Would you? Oh, I'd be so grateful. That was all it took. He wrote to his Uncle Sidney the next day. I know how disappointed you will be in me, and Mother, too, but you see, the factory is just not for me, Uncle Sidney. I know that in my heart. But thank you for your kindness and thinking of me. Your loving nephew, Vernon. And as for Nell... But what will you do, Vernon? You can't live on air. I have a small income from Abbott's, and Sebastian says he'll help me out. I have this room in London. It's not very big, I admit, and it's also rather sparse, I admit that, too. And cold, but I don't care. I will be happy and content, and I will be able to write my music. My music, Nell, like no one has heard before. What about me? What am I supposed to do while you tap on glasses and blow through pipes? You stay with your mother for a while. We can see each other at least once a week. Vernon, I should tell you I've received a letter from George Chetwin. The American, you remember? He's coming back to London, and he wants to see me. Why would you want to see him? He says a woman should be looked after. Is that it? What about loved? Could he love you like I do? Oh, be patient, Nell. Please be patient. I don't know, Vernon. It's very difficult. I have to think. You took your time. I, I, I've been working. I heard you singing from the street. Practice, Vernon. Practice, practice, practice. Come in. Did you hear Radmarger's asked me to sing Solvig in his new opera? Radmarger? You mean... How many Radmarger's have you heard of? Jane, that's incredible. <laughs> it would be if I can do it. Coffee? Thank you. I've always wanted to play Solvig. 
She has such a pure love. She never questions Pierre Gint, just accepts him for whatever he is. And Radmarga's music is sublime. He's taking a chance on me, though. It's going to be a stretch for my voice. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> Help yourself. And what about you? Sebastian told me you were in a garret somewhere. I'm writing an opera. Oh, are you? Uh, well, I'm trying. It's called The Princess in the Tower. It's about... You don't a... have to tell me. I can imagine. How's it going? I'm fascinated by what's inside this old piano I've got. And percussion, but not the usual percussion. The sound of other things, the sound of machines. And broken pianos. Yes. And I'm not going to say I'm stupid anymore because I know that it somehow works, Jane. And how is, uh, what's her name, Nell, taking all this? She believes in me. Well, she doesn't understand it, but there's some rich American she knows who's arrived in London. Ah. I can't see what she sees in him. Life isn't a fairy tale, Vernon. And what about you? Is your life a fairy tale? Well, darling, I've had my ups and I've had my downs, but I have my music. Living with an obsession is a full-time job. There's no alternative, Vernon. Whatever your opera is worth, you must write it. Perhaps. But I sometimes wonder if there's any point. I, I mean, who's going to produce it? I'd say that was obvious. Vernon, will you stop that, please? This is difficult, Nell. How can you compose when you have hardly any instruments? It's in my head. Oh, it's no good anyway. What's the point of writing something that everyone's heard before? so cold in here. Put your coat on. I'm already wearing my coat. How was your night with George? If you want to know, it was one of the best times of my life. We went to the Café de Paris. He gave me everything I asked for. Bit better than a cold room in Clapham. Well, you have this Jane, don't you? Why don't you tell me about her? I already have. She's a friend of Sebastian's. She seems to have you fired up to write this... What is it? Opera. You don't have to be quite so disparaging. Vernon, I may as well tell you now. I am not going to live in a cold room and have nothing to eat and never be able to buy any... Clothes. Oh, Nell, please be patient. How long for, Vernon? I don't know. For as long as... I hate you. Oh, no, 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 please, Nellie. Is it Jane? And I hate her. And I love you. I do, Nellie. I love you so much. Nelly. Vernon. Oh, it's all so horrible. Listen, listen to me. I will be successful, I promise you. I will finish this opera, I swear. And when I've finished... What? Why don't we get married? Married? We can't get married, Vernon. I can't live like this. Just you wait. Look, this is the end of the second act. his score. What do you think? It's perhaps a stepping stone. Is that all? I know what you're going to ask me, Jane. 
It would be expensive, and I can't see crowds flocking to see a perfectly good, perhaps a little unusual, but ordinary opera by an unknown composer. So it's not commercial enough? Well, there's nothing wrong with commerce when it can meet art on its own terms, Jane. And make money. How much more do you need? What about that little theatre in Hoburn? It's too small. All right. I'll sing in it. I'll play the gypsy. You? You sing? Yes, me. Why not? I think it's good. What about Rudmarger and Torvik? That's still months away. I have time. Are you in love with Vernon, Jane? How should I know? Life's an adventure, Sebastian. Inventory, that tiny theater. I reviewed it for God's sake. We were all so shocked to see the great Jane Harding singing the lead role. She was magnificent, wasn't well, she? She saved it. Or perhaps that's too harsh, but it wasn't the revolution, was it? And, and I find it hard to imagine how this Vernon Dare became the great genius Boris Groen, if that's what you're asking me to believe. You might call it the beginning, Carl. And in some ways, it was the end. After the first night, I took them all out to a restaurant. Everyone! Everyone! Uh, to you all, the best cast ever in Hoban. <laughs> to us! And Sebastian! And to you, Vernon, congratulations. Thanks, Sebastian. For everything, you've been a real chum. It's not a success, is it? No, it'll cover its costs. Don't you worry about it. You seem down. Where's Nell? She didn't come. Ah. I think I'd better go. Her mother's? No, no, her mother doesn't want to see me. I'm going, Sebastian. I'm going back to my room. Sorry. Vernon? Sebastian, why is he leaving? Sitting there. Read it. What is it? From Nell. Read it out loud. I want to hear it in a woman's voice. Dearest Vernon, I am going to marry George Chetwind. I don't love him like I love you, but I shall be safe with him. Forgive me, please. You're always loving Nell. I'm so sorry, Vernon. Safe with him? What does that mean? I loved her. Oh, Vernon. Come here, my darling. Stay with me. Stay with me, Jane. I will. I will. And so our genius, who I am now sure is Vernon Dare, has another muse. If not yet another name, am I right? Vernon moved in with Jane, but kept his room to work in. They seemed happy. At least Nell was never spoken of. And you... What is happening to our great and generous producer, Sebastian Levine? Are you still in love with Josephine? Nell turned down Vernon because he was poor, and Joe rejected me because I was too rich. 
You don't need me, Sebastian. You want me to have holes in my shoes and a begging bowl. You have everything. What do you want me for? For your love. Oh, you are so pedestrian. You think love is like buying an ornament, which is not what I am. I am not trying to buy you. Anyway, already taken. Paul Lamar is a married man. You are so conventional. He is teaching me to sculpt. You can be a sculptor. I'll buy you a studio. That's exactly what I mean. Having a studio is not the same as making art, Sebastian. Now I suppose you're going to call me a Philistine. You said it. Look what I did for Vernon. Because he's the real thing. And thank God he got rid of that silly dolly girl, Nell Verica. She thinks art is... A new frock. Vernon loved her. He thought he did. But now he's found what he needs. Jane Harding. I should go, anyway. And just leave me to it? What can I do? Your voice is either strong enough or it isn't. Radmarga doesn't think I'll last the run. I, I must get on. I I'm hearing these sounds. They're in my head, but I don't know how to make them. It's hopeless. Keep trying. You'll succeed. Will I? I'm not seeing very much of you, am I? Oh, I've been busy. Drinking in the bar Pigalle? I've told you, I, I don't know what I'm doing at the moment. And do these ladies from the bar help you out? Oh, to hell with it, I'm going. Sebastian says you're losing interest in your music. That's not true. Don't get out! Go to the bar Pigalle! <laughs> Go away. I'm working. Nell? I was passing. I... You just missed him. I saw him on the street. I waited for him to go. Why? You wanted to see me? I'd have thought I was the last person you... Why don't you sit down? Thank you. So, Nell, are you married yet? No. George wants us to go to America. He thinks war is coming. So does Sebastian. These rich men, they know, don't they? Money's like the sea when it gets choppy. They know a storm's on the way. Probably. I don't know. I still love Vernon, Jane. I don't know why I did what I did. I couldn't help it. That awful room of his. And he wouldn't move to Abbott's. I would have been happy there. The roof leaks. It needs three gardeners, a cook, and at least two house servants. How is Vernon going to pay for all that? I don't know. He admires you so much. How would you know? You're everything I'm not. I'm just some stupid, flighty thing who knows nothing. And you understand him and everything he's trying to do. Don't you? Not really. I pretend I do. But I just want to be looked after, Jane. And I love him. I really do. It breaks my heart. And you walked out on him and left him a nice little note on the table. I'm sorry, Nell, but you won't get any sympathy from me. Go to America. Enjoy the money. I'm not a good-time girl, Jane. 
I'm not just a mini mouse. I am me. I know what love is. Solvig, such pure love. Rad Marga told her she's only got three or four more performances left before her voice goes. She's told you that. There's a war coming, Sebastian. That'll close the houses down whether she's singing or not. Well, keep them open. I'm going to make damn sure of that. I'm going to enlist. Enlist? Already? I want to. Fight for my country and all that. Anyway, I don't know what else to do. Well, what about your music? Oh, it's going nowhere, Sebastian. Absolutely nowhere. And what's the point of it? Some silly opera for some silly people who hate it anyway. I'm sick of it. And Jane, and, and all of it. I'm getting out. Yes? Nell. What are you doing here? I wanted to see you. Why are you packing? I'm going to be a hero. We're all going. Even Sebastian's thinking about it. No, Vernon. What difference does it make to you? I heard you were going to America. I don't want to. You don't want to marry George now? No. Yes, I don't know. I think about you all the time. Do you think about me? Yes. All the time. Is this the last time I'll see you? Did you want to say goodbye? I can't bear it. No. Oh, Vernon. Oh, Vernon. They've cancelled Solvig. I know. Do you know what Dradmagger told me? If I hadn't sung the Gypsy for Vernon, then my voice would probably have held out. You've heard about... Yes, darling. They were married a week ago in a registry office in Marlebone. I should have known, shouldn't I? I gave him everything he needed. Except what he needed. And what was that? The love of Solvig. And you think Nell has that? I doubt if she knows. But that's the point, isn't it? To know nothing and just do it. What will you do now? My singing career is over. That's for sure. Perhaps I'll teach, or go on the stage, or be a cook. Oh, Jane, darling. I don't know what to do, Sebastian. I did love him. I did. In my way. It's all so complicated. What do we do if we don't suffer? Oh, 
I was too old to fight. People heard my accent and thought I was German, and <laughs> I nearly lost my job. I've lived in London for 30 years. I kept my head down. After my exhaustive training, I was posted to a desk in London. Jane said I looked very handsome in my uniform anyway. So you didn't see Vernon Dare? Not for nearly a year. And then... Sebastian? Sebastian! And there they were. Lieutenant Vernon Dare and his wife Nell, looking as fair and pretty as she's always done. I was coming to see you. It's taken ages to track you down. Come and have a drink. Two pints and a gin for my wife. The war doesn't seem to have affected you too badly, Vernon. It was as if it wasn't happening. There we were, marching up a hill. I heard a couple of bangs and a man fell over. I thought it was some kind of silly game. Then I came home for ten days. We've had such a wonderful time. We went to the Café de Paris last night. Vernon bought me everything I wanted. Come down to the country, Sebastian. He should, shouldn't he, Nelly? Yes. We're staying at Mother's Aunt's cottage near Ranella for the weekend. And Joe? Why don't we invite Joe? And we'll be together again. The four of us. Like the old days. I drove Joe down in my car. The pain was still almost all I could bear. She was changed. None of the old bohemian clothes and attitudes. Instead, there was this chic, fashionable, and I have to say, very... A very beautiful young woman. And this made you want her even more? Yes. Unfortunately, she was moving to Paris. I've left him. Lamar! I'm not sure he noticed. He was so taken by chasing anything in a skirt. And anyway, I'd given up sculpting. It's so pointless. Who needs it? You sound like Vernon. Oh, Vernon will never give up his music. He can't. He is music. Music wants him, and that's that. But art doesn't want you. I've fallen in love, Sebastian. Oh. In Paris? He's a soldier. He was very badly wounded. I'm caring for him. You've no idea what these men go through. Capitalists never do. And that's what you think I am? That's what I know you are. It was then, Carl, that something snapped in me. I fell out of love with her. Not because she was tending to yet another broken bird, but because she had no thought as to how the news of it might affect me. She simply didn't care. Doesn't it remind you of Abbot's Prisant? Look over there at that line of trees. Do you remember when we all went into the woods together? It seemed so dark and frightening. And you were the most scared of all of us. You kept falling over. Uh, we had to drag you out of the pond once. I was in awe of you. Well, you're not now. <laughs> no, I'm not, Joe. I'm an auxiliary nurse, did Vernon tell you? I thought I would just wear my pretty uniform and mop a fevered brow, but... It's all right, darling. On my first day, I saw them come in. I heard them screaming. I saw their awful wounds. I saw the terrible pain in their eyes, and... I fainted. The sister pulled me up and told me to do my job. And so I did. I was often in the theatre. I swabbed the blood and I cleaned those dreadful amputations. And the sister came up to me and said, Well done, Nell. I don't know what we'd do without you. You certainly seem different. I am, Sebastian. I am. And married, too. My congratulations. Thank you, Joe. That means a lot. What happened to the American? George was very understanding. 
He's a nice man who loved me and wanted the best for me. Well, he was right. It seems as if you and Vernon were made for each other. I only wish Jane thought so. We haven't heard anything from her. She's looking for another career on the stage. Don't worry about Jane. She'll always survive. We've decided, haven't we, Vernon? As soon as the war's over, we're going back to Abbott's. Abbott's? How are you going to afford that? We'll find a way, won't we, darling? Yes, we will, my angel. As soon as I return. Sitting in a trench, amidst all the gunfire, is the composer, Vernon Dare, transcribing the sounds. He wrote to me, I've found it, Sebastian. This is the music I've been looking for. For him, the bombardment was the sound of a symphony. So this is the inspiration for Giant Spread. I heard these guns at the heart of it, am I right? Yes, but his letters to Nell were different. He told her how he dreamt of her every night. He said, Nelly, I don't believe I'll be killed, but if I were, what difference would it make? We've had so much. I love you, I love you. These are the things that men write from the trenches, so he comes back, he's a composer, and happy in his marriage, no? No. I'm sorry to shock you, Carl, but Nell received another rather more chilling communication. A telegram. Perhaps you can guess. Vernon had been killed in action. No. I don't believe it. So who wrote Giant Spread? Did, did you produce it posthumously? Is it someone else? You, you say it was one of this quartet from the house, uh, Abbott's Buisson. Is it a woman? Oh, it, oh, is it you? You think I could be a hidden genius, Carl? I'm flattered. No, it wasn't me. But you're right to ask about the house. Nell finally got her wish. She inherited Abbott's. Vernon's mother, or Josephine, come to that, weren't impressed. And, of course, Uncle Sidney got into the act. He drove Nell to the old pile and told her it was past renovation and she should sell it. She refused. Vernon would never have allowed it. Such pure love. It seemed like a parting of the ways. Vernon was dead. Joe was in Paris. Jane departed for the stage. I am as you see me. And Nell went to live with her mother, hoping against hope that some Samaritan would come along and save Abbots. I know you are going to tell me that someone did. And I don't think you're going to introduce another person into the story now. Huh. I'm going to guess. It's the return of the American. You're always too astute a critic to be fooled for long, Carl. All Nell heard was that someone had taken the house. Then she received a letter from George inviting her to visit him. George? George, are you there? The bedrooms are even worse than the ground floor. George. It's been a long time now. How have you been? I, uh, I, I'm truly sorry to hear about Vernon. Thank you, George. You're very kind. You've rented the house. What American wouldn't want to own an English country manor? Own? I thought... Sure, I, I want to buy it. I, and I want to restore it, too. And, but that kind of depends on you, Nell. Me? I've always wanted you to be my wife. 
Oh, I, I know you loved Verna, and you probably always will, but that doesn't alter how I feel. George, you've been waiting all this time. I'll give you everything you want. I'd servants, gardeners, you'll be the mistress of all of this. You needn't worry about anything again in your life. I loved Vernon, George. But he's not coming back, is he? It took him nearly two years, but by the time George had finished, the house looked even better than the original. I hardly recognized the gardens when I went down for the wedding. George even made a very moving speech about Vernon. And that was that. No. That is not that. In fact, it is very far from being that. I still don't know. Who is this Boris Grohe? We will get there, Carl. As Nell got older, she became even more beautiful. She loved George, but wasn't in love with him. She had all she needed. But that's no way to end an opera, is it? Ah, you mean death. More death. No, I mean life. Life? So now we find our genius. George Chetwind had an old friend, Al Bleiber, who was over from America. He went down to Abbott's for lunch. He asked George if his driver could stroll in the garden whilst they ate. Nell, being a good and generous hostess, went out to the garden to ask the man if he wanted anything. Excuse me, can we offer you some lunch? Oh, no, thank you. I had a sandwich. Beautiful garden you have here. Makes me feel very happy. May, may I just ask, what's your name? Vincent. Vincent Green. I work for Mr. Bleiber. That was all it took. Nell waited a couple of days until George had gone away on a business trip and then called me. Sebastian? Sebastian, you're not going to believe this. I think I'm going mad. I've seen him. I've seen Vernon. Nell, you can't have. Where was he? He was here, I'm sure of it. In my garden. Believe me, Sebastian, it was him. Nell, this is a terrible line. I can you hardly... You down here at once. Please, Sebastian. They're still here, staying at a hotel in the village. Please come or I shall go crazy. What could I do? There was no doubting her emotional state, but Vernon was dead. We'd had the telegram. So you go down to the village? Jane was in London, so I asked her to go with me. Nell was waiting for us at the hotel. He's here. Look. Look down there. He can't see from here. Wait. Wait till he turns. Look. There. Isn't that Vernon? Oh, my God. Or his double. Oh, there's only one way to find out. I'll get the maid to send him up. Oh, Jane, it can't be. Can it? Wouldn't be the first time the war office has made a mistake. I'm married, Jane. I can't have two husbands. It was you who recognized him, Nell. It was you who called Sebastian. I don't believe it. It can't be. He's coming up. What shall I say? Leave it to me. Come in. The girl said you wanted something. Please, sit down. I am Sebastian Levine. This is Miss Jane Harding, and that is Mrs. Nell Chetwind. Do you recognize any of us? Nell Verica. Have you seen me before, Mr. Green? Uh, yes. A, a couple of days ago in that house with the garden. Did you recognize me? Uh, no. I... You seemed a, a bit familiar. Why? 
Why are you asking me this? Were you in the war, Mr Green? Are you the police? Why do you ask me that? I don't know. Can I go now? Look at me, Mr Green. Are you sure you don't know me? Or me? Did you remember that house? We used to play in the garden. Play in the garden? Do you like music, Mr Green? No, I hate music. Why do you hate music? I don't know. I, I want to go. Tell us about the war, Mr Green. I can't. It's all a blur. I, I don't remember it. You see, Mr Green, we think your name is Vernon Dare. Lieutenant Vernon Dare of the London Fusiliers. Who? And you were involved in a terrible action just outside Chartres. Is that true? Chartres? Many men were killed, Mr Green. Were they? Were you there? All right, I was in the army, and I, I was in Chartres. Tell us about it, Mr Green. No. Tell us. I can't. No one had ever seen anything like it. Usually those barrages go all over the place, but, but this time them shells came down on the trench like rain out the sky. Everyone was screaming. And what happened to you? I... I got it in the head. And when I woke up, they, they was all lying there. I, I thought I was dead. You thought you were dead? Look, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. You have nothing to apologise for. All my clothes were blown off, and I, I thought I was dead, see? And I fell over him. He was under the water, but, but his jacket was halfway up the trench. I put it on because I thought I was dead, and I ran. Where did you run? I'm sorry, I was just running. You know it, don't you? I'm a deserter. You're the police, aren't you? No, we're not the police, old friend. What happened to you? There was a girl... And she said, who are you? I said, I'm dead. She said, oh, no, you're not. And I took my pass out my pocket and she said, you're Vincent, you're Vincent Green. And that was the name of the dead man who was under the water. I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Bliber's a good man and I've been very happy. Are you going to put me in prison? No, darling. No, we're not. And so you had him back. Oh. Vernon Dare. Bleiber told us the rest. He'd found Vernon, Vincent, working in a garage in northern France and hired him as his driver, which is what he's been ever since. So what did you do with him? What else in our new world? I took him to a psychiatrist. It took nearly a year, but under hypnosis, most of Vernon's previous life came back to him. And then we had to face the real problem. He was still Nell's husband, which made her marriage to George Chetwind bigamy. What did you do? It was for them to decide. I brought Nell to London. Where is he? Is he coming? Don't worry. He's been asking to see you for weeks. How do you feel about that, Nell? I don't know. I don't want to see him alone. You must. Why? I don't know what I feel. Well, you're about to find out, aren't you? Why don't we wait in the other room? Yes. Why don't we? No, don't leave me on my own. Oh, my God. Nell? Hello, Vernon. You recognise me now. You're still as beautiful as ever. Thank you. Why don't you sit down? I don't want to sit down. I just want to stand here and look at you forever. It's been such a long time, Nell. Oh, Vernon. What is it? Vernon, I'm married to George. I know. 
I don't blame you for that. You, you thought I wasn't coming back. You must have been terribly upset. It's all right, Nell, I understand. You see, it's the past that makes us unhappy. If we can escape it, then we can find all the joy in the world. Believe me, I know. But I'm still married to him, Vernon. It's easy. Divorce him and you will be my wife again. It's not as simple as that. Why not? <laughs> oh, God, you look so lovely. Your hair, that dress, those... Pearls, are they real? George brought them back from New York for me. Vernon, I can't go back to those cold rooms. Why not? I'm going to make music again, I've decided. I have something in my head which is going to be a great thing, Nelly. It's new. No one has ever heard anything like it before. No, Vernon. You're my wife. I'm George's wife. Why? Because he buys you pearls? We can soon do something about that. Ah! No! I can give you a lot more than a necklace, Nell. No, no. There's something else. What? You mean all the legal stuff? Sebastian will take care of that. It's not that. It's what? Vernon, I'm... You're what? Can't you guess? You're pregnant. I'm sorry. You're pregnant by George. I couldn't help it. Oh, my God. Oh, my good God. I'm so, so sorry. You're sorry? I bet you're sorry. Not only do I lose my mind, I lose my wife, damn it! Damn you, Nell! Damn you to hell! <laughs> so, you're pregnant. I didn't exactly say. I heard. You came close enough. What else could I do? I've lived with my mother when sometimes we didn't even have enough to eat. You're not pregnant. Oh, Nell, I am so sorry for you. I think I'd better go now. Yes, off you go. Why not? You threw him out once before, didn't you? You took him from me and I'll never forgive you. Well, you can have him back, can't you? I will. I damn well will. I hate you! Please, Sebastian, will you give me a drink? It might be for the best. Oh, yes. Everything is for the best, according to you. Uh, Vernon remains as Vincent Green and Nell stays married to George. And you? Vernon wanted her, not me. Are you sure? You gave him everything he needed for his music. Don't underestimate that, Jane. So, I finally get it. <laughs> Vernon there is Vincent Green who becomes Boris Groan. Groan is Dutch for Green. It adds up. So, where did the Boris come from? Jane took him to Russia. He must have picked it up there. It wasn't long before he wrote to me from Moscow. He seemed to have forgotten all about Nell. My dear Sebastian, this country is in ferment after the Bolshevik Revolution. It's like some extraordinary laboratory for the future of mankind. They seem to worship anything to do with machinery. They see it like that beast I imagined all those years ago, do you remember? I've been such a coward and never faced up to what I am. Dostoevsky said, we are alone who guard the mystery. We alone shall be unhappy. Well, if unhappiness is my future, then I must face it bravely and do nothing but my work. And it is here, Sebastian, in Russia, the colossus of iron, the rhythm of the factory, the marching feet of millions as they create their own destiny. Not only the writers, but the composers too, Prokofiev, Stravinsky. I want to be like them. Can you do it, Sebastian? Can you put such a world on a stage? Towering cranes, giant chimneys, the mighty power of this new civilization. 
I want to write it. I, I must find the music. I will find the music. Oh, thank you to Jane and yourself, my good, good friends. You have helped me see, to hear, at last to hear. I shall do it, Sebastian. I shall do it. And so, at last, we have the opera. As he came down the ship's gangway, I could see he had changed. He was pale. His eyes were burning with passion. He didn't care about his baggage and hardly said hello to me. Now, I offered him my flat. Jane wanted him to go with her. But all he wanted was another cold room with no furniture in South London. We hardly heard from him for three months. Then he came to my office and put a messy, disordered score on my desk and said... There it is. The giant. None of it was easy, Carl. I'll say it myself. But finally... Sebastian! Sebastian! Nell! Well, we didn't expect to see you here. As soon as I heard it was on, I had to come. Where's George? Oh, I don't know. He's somewhere. Why do you ask about him? I've missed you all so. How are you, Jane? Just fine, thank you. I'm on tour with Ivor. I'm sorry? Novello, darling. Oh. Where's Vernon? He refused a seat. He'll watch it from behind the stalls. Doesn't he want to see it? Who knows with Vernon? It was quite an opening, I'll give you that. It'll be a great success in 20 years' time. Not that Vernon cares. He left before the interval. I imagine him walking the streets with his next opera filling his mind. We couldn't find Nell at the end either. Vernon? Nell? What do you want? It was so magnificent. Thank you. Why aren't you celebrating? I'm working. Vernon? Vernon, I've missed you so much. Nell, I just said I'm working. I'll divorce George. Please, Nell. I've never loved him. Not like I love you. Will you please go? Vernon? Are you deaf? I've said I'm working, damn you! And he won't see Jane either. Or me. The giant. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of mortal man. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. I'm going to ask my editor for a two-page spread. You can't come. You see, Vernon Dare no longer exists, and Boris Groom is just notes on a score. The music is all there is. In Giant Spread, by Agatha Christie, writing as Mary Westmacott, Carl Bowerman and George Chetwind were played by Tim McMullen. Sebastian Levine, 
Philip Arditti, and Vernon Dare was Tom Glenister. Josephine Waite was Lucy Trod, Nell Vereker, Hannah Boyd, and Jane Harding was performed and sung by Janice Kelly. Original music was by Nick Beekar, and the sound designer, Leon Chambers. Agatha Christie's Giant's Bread was adapted for radio by Malcolm Mackay, directed by Annabelle Arden, and is a Catherine Bailey production for BBC Radio. <laughs>